The Tuffle Commute, Season 5, Episode 1, in which Sean and I return after the holidays to discuss teacher staff rooms. Let's get started. Hey, Lindsay. How are you doing? Fine, fine. Back after a little break from the podcast. and yeah. uh, Did you miss it? But yeah, I did a little bit. Yeah, I listened to some old episodes and um, yeah. yeah it's been, oh, it's been a nice break. Yeah, it's nice. been... yeah good. Yeah, yeah busy, but uh, usual kind of filling the time with... Uh, with what we do when we're not doing podcasts, i.e. watching geeky movies and playing geeky games, those kind of things. Exactly. So, you know. exactly. For those of you joining us for the first time, uh, this is The Temple Commute, a podcast for language teachers that's not about language teaching, but the topic always seems to come up. My name is Lindsay Clanfield. I'm, I'm one of your hosts. The other host is... And I'm Sean Wilden. I'm the other host. And I'm wondering how we're going to avoid the topic of teaching when we're talking about staff rooms. I guess, I guess <laughs> yes, that's our topic today is staff rooms. And uh, is this going to touch on teaching? Well, well I would do things to talk about with staff rooms. Um, so yes and no, because the staff room is is a place where teachers go, but it's it's actually not often teaching takes place there. Yeah, what I found quite interesting was obviously uh, researching for the episode is that when you start talking, when you, when you start doing the, the obligatory internet searches for staff rooms, the, the person who seems to have written the most about staff rooms is you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I did end up writing. I did a, I, one of the first workshops I did was called Surviving Your Staff Room. And as a result of that, I ended up writing a couple of articles on different, like for different journals and websites and stuff. And they kind of made their way around. So, yes, when I was searching as well, I kept finding a couple of my own articles on that uh, about about things, ideas for a teacher's staff. Yeah, but Lindsay, I've told you, stop putting your name in the search engine. <laughs> well, Google already knows what to deliver me right away. You know, lots of things with my own name on it. Yeah. Um, is that, is that called, the, that's ego surfing, isn't it? Is that the term for that? Is, when you, no, when, it's Trump, Trump surfing. Trump, Trump surfing. <laughs> oh, well, let's not talk about that. Can we the, can we the podcast that kind of tries not to talk about trump okay but we've already done so more than we wanted to so let's just stop right there back to staff rooms um well before we talk about like the stuff that i'd written about which is suggestions for a staff room uh one of the things that uh i have in my notes here is all the different things the staff room can be um i have a list here of seven functions of uh of a staff room yeah, because often we think of the staff room as like just the place where teachers hang out. But I think there's several other kind of ways of, of uh, like of uh, uh, looking at a staff room or, or what kind of things a staff room could be. Are you interested in hearing them, Sean? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, 
I think so. As in, if I didn't, then where would the podcast go? <laughs> yeah, you don't have a choice. <laughs> you're going to hear them, but so are the listeners. Everybody, you're now going to hear the seven functions of a school staff room. <laughs> so the first one is that you could imagine the school staff room is, is like an office. So it's a place where people work. And that would be the case for many of the staff rooms I was. I, I, I worked in. By uh, working, you mean lesson planning and getting ready for yeah, teaching. Yeah, lesson planning yeah. and so on and so forth. Um, the other function of the staff room often has is, is like that of a cafe. So it's a place where you talk to fellow staff, where you eat and drink and so on, uh, like tea, that is. So, you know, there may be a coffee. <laughs> well, some, some, some of the staff rooms I've been in, I don't think it was limited to tea. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, so like cafe slash pub. But I think the ones I'm used to are more of a cafe type thing. Um, another function of a staff room is, is that of a refuge. So it's like a place to escape and have privacy. So this is a place where students don't come in. Um, where teachers can talk freely amongst themselves and let off steam and so on. Oh, wait, yes. have, you, have, you ever, have you worked anywhere where they do let the students in the staff room? Oh, that would be. Uh, I think so. Or I think there's been like there's been an open door policy, but students don't, didn't abuse it. They didn't tend to come in a lot. But um, but I've been in more places where it's been like this is the teacher's room. No yeah, students yeah. allowed. Um, the other kind of thing that I think a lot of us would be familiar with as language teachers is the staff room as a library where a lot of books are, documentation is, and so on and so forth. So I remember staff and staff rooms in the past, binders of, with activities in it and photocopyables. Maybe that's been replaced by folders on, on, on computers now. But uh, do, do you remember that, Sean? Like uh, in a staff room, like big binders full of, full of things? I, uh, it's interesting that you say they're on computers now. I, I, one of the... It, I'm lucky in in the work that I do these days to to be able to go to a number of language schools, part as a, an inspector or a guest or as a trainer. And I don't think computers have made much difference to the amount of folders that are, are still there. I think most staff rooms are a. They're, they're, I, I I guess that that library can also become a stroke museum because I don't think people throw it's away a old yeah, a books or old folders or stuff like that. It's kind of exactly. tripped down ELC memory lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that's a bit in the same vein as a, a library is that the staff room as a storeroom. So it's a place where you leave your personal belongings in a safe and secure environment. One hopes. Yes. Um, yeah. So you either have your pigeonhole or maybe you have a locker or you have a kind of space of the desk and so on. This is where staff rooms can get problematic because there's sometimes a hierarchy, you know, like the more senior teacher who has the whole big table in the corner and everyone else has a little pigeonhole. I, um, I've been in a staff room like that. I just thinking about the yeah I think mine was divided actually this is a long time ago but going into the into what was the staff room I spent most of my teaching career in when I first went into it it was also nationality divided <laughs> it was kind of like the English teachers sat there the German teachers sat over there oh, that's <laughs> true yes and same thing in the Department of Languages where I taught at the university it was like that as well there was one part where it was the other languages and one part for English oh yeah that's true wow Okay, two more functions of a staff room, a place to find out information and news. So the staff room as a notice board. And finally, the staff room as a classroom, an extra place to teach when other rooms are full or in use. And I've never had a staff room serve that purpose, but I could see it happening. I've seen you... that. I've, um, I've seen a staff room become an overspill for things like um, if a student had missed doing a, a, a test or a, they needed to do a placement test and there wasn't a spare room, then definitely I've seen it as an overspill in, in that way. Um, I think that's the one that um, 
um, would annoy me the most, actually, um, because I think yeah. uh, for me the staff room is that refuge amongst all those things. I think it is the place that you, you've got to be. We did we, we we did an episode um, a season or two ago called Behind Closed Doors, and I think there's a, when we were talking about the classroom, but I think there needs to be a behind the closed doors for the staff room. Um, yeah, uh, the the Lots escape the the refuge. The question I've got when you see these categories is: um, Can the staff room be all these things at once? Uh, and I so think let me just review. Let me just review the category for our listeners so we had office cafe refuge library storeroom notice board and classroom or overspill room and to answer your question sean yeah i i think so i think i think certainly like at least three or four of these categories would be for most staff rooms right like an uh maybe the office refuge and cafe all kind of go together also with library, I suppose as well. I mean, but the, the reason why I say that is cause, and and and, and it's something. I mean, I worked at a very large language school, and where we um, and the classroom space was quite limited. And I think one of the uh, one of the tensions within the school was actually the the multiple uses of the staff room. And we found, I, and, and um, as as the school evolved and we developed the staff room and we developed the spaces, we we actually tried to. Um, have different spaces assigned to different things because I think if a person's trying to have a refuge and at the other time it's a cafe those two things don't mutually go together you know the person that wants that privacy and quietness is being put off by the people who are sitting eating drinking and talking and the person that wants to plan the lessons is finding it annoying that the table's full of eating and drinking stuff do you see what I mean uh, and in yeah. fact this this actually was a tension within the staff room and uh, one of the ways that I think we improved the, the school was by defining these areas and and uh, and trying to break down like the barrier of the language teachers for for starters and those kind of things. So I I do wonder how much um, it's probably a little bit deep for this podcast, but how much all these different uses, these different functions, which I completely agree with, do cause tension within staff rooms. Yeah, but you didn't thought well, about that. Did you? Ask you, <laughs> sorry, what was that? You hadn't actually thought about it from that angle, had you? No, well, I'd mostly thought of the staff room as also uh, of the social functions of the staff room rather than the work functions of the staff room. That's what that's what I, I I suppose if I had to rank these, I'd be ranking the social functions of the staff room higher um, because I think that you know if if you hear a teacher say about their school, it's a really great place to work. I don't think they're. I think one of the first things they're talking about there is the social feeling between and among the teachers, uh, more than, for example, uh, high pay or 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 super great students. Although that could be part of it. But I think when you hear teachers saying, "Oh, the school that I'm working is a great place to work," you're talking about like how they get along with the social relationships you have with your colleagues. Def and definitely, definitely. But I wonder now. Now. Um, as I'm talking, I wonder again if this is context, of course, because because ELT teaching takes place in so many different contexts. And I think the the, the staff room I'm talking about was, you know, a, a private language school that ran from seven in the morning to seven, uh, no, to nine in the evening. And and teachers would often come into the staff room, you know, they'd have a break in their teaching and they'd be there for hours on end so they prepare. So that you know, rather than perhaps um, for want of a better description, a nine to five staff room of of perhaps a state school where you're not going to sit around and work as much as uh, of it. I wonder if the different contexts play different to have different effects on it maybe there's a maybe there's a research uh, thing that we should look at there let's go somebody must give us a give us money and we can go research it the psychological yes. aspects of the functions of a staff room well there has been some research ah, done there we go 
there's one which was a, a book called Behind Closed Doors. Right, right. Same title as uh, one of our podcast episodes. But this was written by two Israeli academics, Miriam Ben Peretz and Shifra Shonma, Shonma, uh, Oh, I'll, I'll put it in the in the show notes. Um, but what they did is they put up cameras in an Israeli secondary school teacher's lounge and just let them roll. Wow. And then uh, the whole book is a social cultural study of what went on in the uh, in the staff room. So uh, we can put a link to that book because that looks I was I was browsing through the sort of sample pages online and it looked quite interesting. Um, it also reminds me of something that another colleague of ours who has come on the podcast podcast before philip kerr did where he uh he was spending quite a bit of time in different kinds of staff rooms and he would um you know take notes of what he would be overhearing right so and what he would overhear for example in state school staff rooms was very different than what you would hear in private academy staff rooms um whereas uh, you know, and, and in terms of like, were people talking about the latest second language acquisition theories in any of those staff rooms? No, there was often a lot of other kinds of things going on. Um, and and I'd have to try to find out from him uh, more on this. But uh, so definitely there is an area of research. If any of you are listening to the podcast, thinking of a, 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 a master's or a PhD dissertation topic, we think that it would be really interesting to have one on what goes on in English language teaching staff you've got, rooms. You've got me thinking now. Is is there, is there, is an a function of a, of a staff room a place for professional development? Well, I think it can be. I think that I think a, a, one of the things about a staff room can be a sharing space where people and, and some of the staff rooms I've been in, and there's always been that idea. Oh, does anyone have an idea of what to do uh, or a really nice activity that could go well with this grammar point I'm teaching or this part of the of the book or or people you know complaining about a part of the book and then someone suggesting, hey, well I do it this way or someone saying, oh my gosh, I've got too many students. Anyone have, give me some tips? Yeah, exactly. That's what I kind of meant. I think I I think I learned uh, as often quite a lot a lot of my what have become my my stock teacher toolkit ideas from from the staff rooms i've been in well, you know good ideas for games activities classroom management issues are, are often because of that does anyone know um attitude uh, of it so i guess uh, i'm just trying to think if it fits into your seven functions before or whether whether i've created an eighth function um Oh, uh, like an eight function, like a like a development place, like yeah, a, a place of a tra training area. Right. Yes, I'm sure that a lot of the folk wisdom of teaching is passed passed along through staff rooms, probably. I think this is interesting that you uh, you 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 label the functions uh, of the the office, the cafe, or whatever. I came across an article in English uh, Teaching Professional. Uh, which again, I'll put the link on where they described it from the person point of view. So the staff room is the greet and go place or the support group or the amateur dramatics group or the, the circle of trust, uh, which I think is an interesting way of looking at, at the uh, of the characters that you get within, in, a, in a staff room. And it's quite a nice juxtaposition to, to your functions that you put in there. But I'll share the link uh, for people to, to, to have a look at uh, uh, fully uh, later on with it. But um yeah, I wonder. One of the things on it is this idea of competitiveness. Do, do teachers play one one uh, one upmanship in a in a staff room? You know, I'm better than you. I think for sure that can happen. I think. Well, I mean, it depends. We both have been in worked in various different staff rooms. What do you remember, Sean, as a particularly positive staff room that you worked in, and or as a particularly negative staff room? 
Well, I think I think the the same staff room um, fulfilled both roles because I was there. For, I worked in the school for such a long time. It was in such an evolving space, and I think one of the things I remember is is the why why the idea of of the professional development place went through. And I think it was just one of those moments when you know when you get a. You, I mean, um, ELT is is often seen as a very transient profession from the private language point of view and it was just one you know the staff room i was in at one point in time there were a lot of people who were all still in elt and took it very very seriously and it became in a, a place where we actually did sit down and talk about second language acquisition theory and because we all did our deltas at the same time and then we all shared activities and I, 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 that for me was a very positive experience but and then then by the same token as those staff lay, left and and people changed and and, and, the, and the school did different things and staff reacted to the school in different ways it also became quite a negative space when when we realized as, as I talked about earlier these functions were sort of clashing with each other so I think my best and worst is the same staff room but over a number of years and it just shows that's you how the dynamics change within 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 it yeah no that's true I think probably one of my first staff rooms that I worked in was probably one of the worst where it was very much certain teachers had their own turf it was don't touch this don't touch that every like staplers labeled with the teacher's names um i was a junior teacher at the university and you know had my little pigeonhole but you know someone told me whatever you do do not leave anything on that desk because that teacher will just push it off the desk into the garbage um while you're not there you know that that kind of a stuff so that was like a very fractured staff room i'm sure we have colleagues listening to this podcast that have been in staff rooms like that um uh, and also there was a considerable amount of moaning in that staff room. So like every time I'd come in, you know, people, the, the, the thing to do was just complain about students um, or about the administration or the latest, uh, the latest change in administration rules or speculating on who's going to get um, moved up or promoted or whatever. So, so that was not nice. One of the best ones was in a private academy in Barcelona with colleagues of mine where, and this is what I wrote about in those articles that you found online, um, we started doing lots of things very deliberately to make the staff room really, really nice. Uh, at the time, this was again before like widespread internet and tablets and stuff, but we'd have the, uh, we would put up a crossword puzzle, one of the quick crossword puzzles every morning, someone would put it up. And then anytime people would be coming in and chatting, you know, having a cup of tea, you would, everyone would kind of gather around the crossword puzzle and all start doing it together. <laughs> so, you know, we, do, we, used to, we used to do that a different way. The, 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 foreign, the foreign language newspapers were so expensive that one, the person that bought the newspaper that day photocopied the crossword and put photocopies up for people to take because, you know, because so, it was just so expensive. So it wasn't the oh, group yeah. thing, but... What we would do is we'd have a timed one. So the crossword puzzle would go up at 9 a.m. Right. And whenever, whenever we finished it, like whoever finished the last word would break the time. So I think like the fastest was that people would cool idea. at 9.5 a.m. So that was like a really nice group thing. We also started collecting like, you know, this week's top 10, uh, you know, we started with ELT stuff, but then quickly moved on to other things like we started with like our top 10 uh, grammar points, but then it was things like, you know, this week was the top 10 smells. You're a, you're oh. a list fanatic, aren't you? Because your, your, oh. your, your blog, that, that your, your, your former blog, where also you wrote about staff rooms, was a list blog as well, wasn't it? So, uh, exactly. It's, which exactly. We'll, 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 no, no. So lists were really, were really a good thing. I mean, another think... thing that we did is 
I mean, I think what, what you're what you're actually talking about though, though, is building is something to build the group dynamics, and I think this is actually something yeah. I'm just thinking is something that's overlooked, and I think this is where management can play a part. I mean, obviously, I think the staff room is a staff space rather than a manager's space or a student space, but I th but actually applying group dynamics, which we do to classes all the time. I mean, one of the things when we take classes on is deliberately you know do stuff to make the dynamics of the group where to build a report i think the staff room is where that kind of stuff can happen yeah exactly. so even just like making the atmosphere in the staff room is nice in that same good staff room that i had things were going so well and all of a sudden somebody brought in two little plants and put them in different parts of the staff room and it just made the place so much more homey i mean it, it made it really nice um the, there's also an argument to be said of like having a coffee machine there, although that can be good and bad because there's nothing that creates more fights in a staff room than dirty mugs. I'll go the other way. Fun. It wasn't like we used to have a cut. Yeah, the, the, the mugs. The, the old, the old, my old head of English would moan about mugs all the time. But um, one of the one of the most positive things I've seen put in staff rooms are, are water machines. You know those water dispensers. Um, yes, I think they really improve um, improve uh, the atmosphere in the staff room and, uh, with it. I think kettles, yeah, there are there are all sorts of problems here. I did suggest that a kettle be put in a staff room in a school recently, and of course it was in the UK, and they said, "Oh, you know the health and safety issues if we put a kettle in." And we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that um, one of the things. Here's, the... here's a here's a question then. Sorry, here's a question. If I were to, if we since we're talking about this and like recommendations to managers or head teachers or whatever. Sean, let's take turns. What would you put into an ideal staff room? Budget is no issue. Imagine we have a big room, lots of space. What things would you put in that staff room? Budget not being no issue. Take uh, that, turns. You say one, I say one. Okay, so I'm obviously going to go for the fastest possible free Wi-Fi. Okay, fast possible free Wi-Fi. Okay, I'm going to go for like long, uh, 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 two long couches on, on, the, on the sides of the wall, as well as big table in the middle. Sorry, I said two things. Okay, I'll say just one. Long couches. I would go another way. I would have a separate area with a bed. A bed. Yes, because some of our, I'll go back to this again. Some of our, my old in the in the in the old split shift uh, system of teaching, where you might end up unfortunately with lessons first thing in the morning and last thing at night. And if you can't, you don't have time to travel home, like if you live out the city or whatever, then a place to relax, a place okay. where the teachers can go and have a quick forty winks. And you'll find that impressive in the the improvement in the in the teacher's mood is no is uh, in, incalculable. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put um, then big long table down the middle of the room and small cubicle tables off to the side, so you could work on the side where you can all kind of work together in the middle. Your turn. Oh, uh, we've done comfortable seating. We've done the internet. We've done the tables. Uh, we've we've already talked about free drinks and so on. Um, I would. Uh, I would get in, I know you can see that I'm now struggling because I'm not sure what else to actually, no, what I would put in is a relaxation area, um, you know, an actual defined relaxation area that's that's off away, so there's probably a TV or a games area, something just to relax so people can relax Wow, it looks like our dream staff room is going to like take up three classroom sizes of the real well, school. Well you said it was a dream staff room well it's quite interesting because what, what I'm actually thinking about is we, we're talking about staff rooms obviously from an educational point of view but but staff rooms or break rooms exist in, in almost all industries and I actually yep. and so I um, I uh, took my 
preparation for this podcast a different way and looked at what business would say. And so ten and so business says ten essentials of the most successful company break rooms. And they are okay. free coffee, lunch tables, yeah. differentiation. Yeah which is what kind of what we're talking about with uh, the functions, but also the differentiation in terms of different colors of different parts of the staff room. Um, okay. That you should, you know, the, the wall should have different colors and so on. Um, games. So there's a breakout thing there. Uh, the decoration in terms of posters on the wall or um, yeah, uh, your, your plants not, that you talked about. Not walls with peeling paint. Definitely. Um, healthy food options. Um, you know, so that the, 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 there was uh, some food, uh, fresh vegetables, grains, those kind of things on it. Comfortable seating, you noted. Televisions, we noted. Uh, celebrations should be held in there. So remembering people's birthdays, uh, an important stepping stones in the company. Uh, and anything request or uh, take seriously anything requested by the staff themselves. So they would say that. Right. So that was the kind of a number of websites listed these as the essential things for a successful break area, which which for us would be would be the staff room, which I found quite interesting. Then there is this color thing. There is this whole idea of should your staff room be feng shui? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Okay. Well, I can't even remember feng shui except from what I taught in course books about feng shui. So I wouldn't know. Blue. Blue. to say that. Blue, blue is a good color. Yellow, blue, and yellow. Apparently, there you go. You see, you live and learn on this podcast. We, what you, you now know that you can go out and say, "Well, our staff room uh, should be blue because it's uh, it, it's better for the feng shui." <laughs> uh, can I? Can I? Can I? Uh, we, we still got time, away. We're talking about staff rooms, of course, from our own point of view. And one of the interesting things that, that's happened in education, of course, is that staff rooms have become very global over the last few years um because of the, the the development of the internet you know and people of uh, what people label as their personal learning networks which were essentially staff rooms i joined twitter uh, way back when because it became like the global staff room and and you know when people, there people, was a time where it felt like that yeah for me i'm sure it does for some teachers still but i remember when i started it did feel like being part of a global staff room yeah you're right and you're it's, right it's one of those interesting things i mean you, your article that i found from, was actually for 2008 i think and you do mention the cyber staff room there as a kind of a developing thing but now uh, you know eight eight nine years later it is a huge part of it and the number of facebook groups that act as staff rooms where people share ideas and and share things and i think this is this is really interesting that that, that you, you kind of, I think you find out as well that the teaching scenarios that you have in your country are very similar to, to what they are in other people's. And, you know, this actual, then this global sharing of ideas, which, which I, I did um, at the time when I first discovered it, it really reinvigorated me as a, as a teacher uh, for it. And people do look at, sometimes do, do do look disparagingly on social networks but i do think that that idea of the cyber staff room is an interesting development of of uh, within social networking um yeah uh, for a, and like any staff room you can be kind of good and bad experiences there oh, oh totally yeah yeah and you get the people and the, as as one of my uh, friends always says it gives everybody a voice so the people so sometimes the teacher that's spouting off all the time is perhaps the show-off role of the of the of the physical classroom is the same on on the cyber network and it, it is uh it can can be a bit much uh uh with it um i was gonna say we got to the the one thing i liked you talked about the crossword and the plants the one thing i really liked on in my stuff room when i first moved in it was the idea of the week and it was yes kind of, yes we had a, a sharing yeah. We had a sharing board where you would share like an activity or an article or a, a game or a photocopyable of the week. Yeah, that was great. 
That's that that I would recommend to any school staff or any English uh, department staff room for sure. It's uh, it's one of those things. Well, we've covered quite a lot, haven't we? <laughs> I think we have. I think we have. Um, shall we whisk off to a dessert island, Sean? I can't see why not. I can hear the seagulls now. Welcome to the dessert island. Yes, you heard that right. Dessert island. A section lovingly named after all the students who have had trouble sorting out their puddings from their side. Loosely based on an idea that the DDC had some years ago, we interview a person in ELT about things they would take with them if they suddenly had to go and teach on a remote island. And of course, we also find out what dessert they take with them to eat. Uh, dessert island again and in this episode i'm talking to damien williams who is a author uh teacher trainer he organized and, and runs the map of the urban linguistic landscape so as i mentioned in the introduction mull i mean mull is one of my favorite things about about social uh social media uh, um i just uh, kind of draws me to facebook more than most other things um uh, where did you get the idea from for it and what what is it for people who might never have been there do you want to tell us what it is and well, yeah, basically, it all started a, a few years ago. Um, it's it's a joint, it's a collaboration between me and a guy called Stephen Green, who you, you might have heard of as well, yeah. who's based in Brazil. Um, and we were kind of going to conferences together, and we both kind of realised that we we were both interested in linguistic landscapes um, because it seemed kind of something new. And this was also kind of born out of the time when technology was the big, big thing, and it's all you'd hear about at conferences. It's lots of people sharing pictures of what we call interesting language use, which isn't very well defined, but purposely so, because we kind of, we like to encourage as many contributions as possible. Um, Facebook groups seemed a, a perfect place to host that and invite people to share their photos as well what i've actually found myself is, is i actually pay more attention to my landscape now because i'm kind of walking around looking to take a photo that i can put into the group exactly what i found <laughs> super addictive as well because you you can't once you started noticing it there you can't stop noticing it's there all the time i mean the idea is like as you as you said yourself you, once you start looking at things you become more aware of it all the yeah time. absolutely and the idea is to kind of install that in students as well, because it's it's not just in English language speaking countries that you see English being used in the street and stuff. So it's kind of making them more aware of, of all the language that surrounds them. We've, we've got a companion website. That's it, the website. Okay. Uh, and there are some activities up there and stuff that, that we we've shared of course now i'm going to um going to remove you from all that and uh put you on our dessert island uh, where you're going to teach a, an undefined <laughs> group so you've got no camera you've got no access to the thousands of pictures that are on mall um but we're not that mean we do allow you to take some things with you so uh, um one of the things we say that you can take with you is a is a methodology uh book um now i've been i've been trying to decide there are for me there are two methodology books just briefly mentioned the other way because it had such a big impact on my own development as a teacher um, and that was a book that was published in 2000 called language play language learning ah. 
by Guy Cook. Yes. Um, and it's great because it was kind of this big antithesis to the communicative approach. Um, and it's basically saying things that, you know, language use doesn't have to be realistic and real life in class. It can be kind of fantastical and you can escape into other worlds and that actually makes it more interesting. Uh, and what was the other one that you might have taken? So the one the one that I would I would I think I would take um it's a bit older than that. It's a book by Michael Lewis, um, The English Verb. Oh, okay. Um, and it's, I mean, as a teacher trainer, it's one that I come back to time and time again. And I, I kind of recommend it to, to trainee teachers and stuff. For me, it's the book that you were a certain type of teacher before you read it. And then you're a certain type of teacher after you read it. As teachers um, and starting out in our career, we tend to kind of follow course booky type grammatical rules. Um, now, problem with a lot of these rules about grammar is, is that they're quite prescriptive. What I like about the English verb is it looks at, it's, it's very much more descriptive than prescriptive. And it looks at what's actually involved um, in, the, in the grammar of English. Um, so, like, for example, there's a book where he talks about conditionals and saying, you know, we, we often learn that there's zero conditional, first conditional, third conditional. And then he just lists a page with 28 examples which break all the rules. OK, so that's your methodology book. Um, so we asked also allow you to take a resource book of, or of something of that ilk. So what, what do you have for that? For me, it would have to be um, Taboos and Issues. Ah, that's a book I haven't yeah um i mean yeah it's again it's a bit dated now isn't it and it does need kind of updating a bit i think to to use in a class these days um but it's been again it's it's through my teaching career it's been a book that i've returned to um again and again again i think there's a lot of um there's this whole idea of kind of parsnips things that publishers don't like to include in books so I can't remember. Now, now you're on the spot, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, pigs, sex, um, something like that. Uh, alcohol, uh, Al isms, and yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, which, again, I think that's quite controversial because a lot of the time it can be interesting to include these things in a classroom if you're, you know, if your learners are uh, mature and kind of able to deal with it sensitively. But I think there is a lot of potential if they're not handled exactly right, um, not just by the teacher, but by students as well, then they can be quite offensive and they can cause offence, you know. And what I like about Taboos and Issues is I think it, it, it balances those kind of two scenarios well. It introduces these like controversial topics, but it also gives the teacher the judgment um, the ability to make the judgment in the classroom situation as to how far to take each of these topics. Mm. Right. So interesting choice there. Uh, and uh, your third thing then is something to help you with with teaching. This is where you say the, the internet. Kind <laughs> of. Um, I was going to say um, access to music. Okay. Because uh, that's always, I think in my own teaching, it's always um, appeared heavily, both in terms of kind of using songs in the classroom and, and rhyming language, rhythmic language, that kind of thing. But also, um, 
you know, different ways of using background music. I've always tried to use that in my classroom. Okay, so uh, before I leave you to your own devices on the island, um, obviously this is Dessert Island uh, for legal reasons, uh, but it does give us the excuse to say, what is your favourite dessert and no, why? No doubt about it, apple crumble. Oh, okay, that's a very uh, oh. very traditional kind of dessert. Oh, it's, it's, it's always been my favourite dessert. I'm not actually that big on desserts the big question with that although of course is um custard ice cream or cream you know what i was just about i was ready and primed to say so what (laughs) do you have it with custard so i'm gonna guess custard definitely damien it's now time to leave you on a desert island enjoy the teaching i hope your students there enjoy the apple crumble and thank you very much for your time thank you thanks for thanks for inviting me So, Sean, do you think that a staff room, we've talked, we've kind of been raving about staff rooms, what we like about them, potential problems, conflicts, and so on. But do you think the staff room is should be a right for teachers? Like as in legally protected, that every school should have a staff room for teachers. Should that be a right? I'm going to say yes, but the, I'm going to do uh, provide a couple of provisos here. Um, Again, context, and I think if I think if we're talking about uh, a right, then we're probably looking at, at government-controlled schools, uh, yeah. pri- private uh, language schools. I think there should it should be a right, but then it depends on the type of school. But I do think there should be a place for the staff to be able to meet and do it. I, I mean, from one of the organisations, one of the organisations, the organisation I work for the most, uh, I'm known for working for. It's actually in their charters that the school must provide a staff room space. So, uh, yeah. so yeah. Well, it- Yes, and not surprisingly, because I found out in my research for this episode that that does exist as a right in the UK for schools. So we're talking about state schools here. And I suppose in several private schools, they might have it in their charter, like the one you were talking about. But it was it is a right, according to the UK government. And in 2012, they proposed removing Mm. the staff as a right, leaving it up to individual schools to decide. This was eventually... um, this was eventually struck down or didn't go through, from what I can understand. Why do you think a government would want to remove the right of a staff room to exist? Why would they do that? Have you lived in the UK recently? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know why. It was a rhetorical <laughs> According to the article I read, and yes, this is uh, this would link into what you're saying, but uh, the, the, the idea of a staff room removing it as a right um, staff rooms also tended to be a place where union organization or uh, rates could be discussed, um, uh, where teachers could kind of organize amongst themselves. So removing it as a right then made it easier for that to be curtailed. It, it, it's, but it's common. I mean, all right. I mean, it's ridiculous. What would you expect without a staff room? What would you expect? You, you're walking around with like your books and your, your coat. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, okay. I mean, perhaps he doesn't. Um, I mean, an ideal staff room covers all those functions that we talked about at the beginning, but you can't go from from even kind of heart, part of that to, to no staff room. You, I mean, you've got to give someone the space to just escape. I suppose they could. I suppose they could just kind of put lockers in a corner of the place where you would just leave your books and go and you know. So what, what you go and do is sit sit between classes. You have to still sit in the classroom, so you you know you never get the chance to. You've got to be able yeah. to switch off, haven't you? You've just got to be able to switch off, even for. Even for ten minutes, it's yeah. You, that's true. That's true. You just 
it's kind of but as i said i mean i know that was four years ago i'm surprised it's not i'm surprised the current government well it was the same government hasn't um decided to bring that one back in try that one again um given maybe, it, maybe they have and we haven't heard about they it could but, change, uh... yeah, well that's true though we have got bigger things to talk about in the uk at the moment that's for sure um but yeah no it's uh it's a it's a very old thing and but again i, I just can't imagine it because there's such an important as we I think we we one of the things this episode has really kind of shown is that how important a staff room is and, and because of what you can you can do and get from being there. So I think it's removing a, a very large part of education if you if you didn't have a staff room, a, a lot of opportunities been missed. I think that uh, this brings us uh, to a good moment to stop our first episode of our new season. I think we've covered most things about staff rooms, don't you? Oh, I think so. Yeah, although that was a bit kind of a, a bit of a door note to end on, wasn't it? It was like, uh... <laughs> sorry, guys. Hi, welcome, make... welcome back. I'm yes, keeping in tune then with 2017. Make sure you stand up for your rights. That includes your staff room rights. Yes, exactly. That'll be our closing hopeful fist in the air mission uh, message. Yeah, but I mean, it was a good discussion. I think I think people don't think about staff rooms the way that uh, the way we've just talked about it. So uh, hopefully we've we've uh, we've 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 provoked some thoughts there uh, with it. And of course we'll leave leave uh, the podcast with some ideas, of developing some of those ideas that we've talked about that you could do in your staff room. So anyway, Lindsay. Yes. If you have uh, any things you'd like to share with us about your staff rooms, you can leave a comment for us at www.teflcommute.com or on our Facebook page. Uh, on our Twitter page. Um, if you are just coming to this podcast for the first time uh, for this first episode of the new season, welcome. If you're a return visitor, thanks for coming back. Make sure to tell all your friends. Um, we're getting uh, the numbers for our listeners are going up every season and it's very gratifying. Well, I was listening to a couple of podcasts, new podcasts, not ELT ones, the podcast um, last week. And there was, they were doing, rather than make sure you tell your friends, they were grab your friend's phone when they're not watching and subscribe awesome. to the podcast. <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks uh, to talk about yet another topic of burning and scintillating interest to language teachers that might not be about language teaching, although that will surely come up in it somehow. My name's Lindsay Kleinfield. You're about to say my name's been Lindsay Clansfield. Though. I know. I always, <laughs> Everyone's about to say, what are you now? <laughs> You've been with Lindsay Clanfield and... Oh, the, the, what's my name? Oh, yeah. So, and I'm Sean Wilden. Enjoy your commute and we'll see you again in the next episode. Bye. As your commute is coming to an end... Here are a couple of ideas for you to try out in your staff room. In the episode, we talked about things you can do to brighten your staff room, and Sean mentioned the idea of the week. This is a way to encourage the sharing of resources and to help foster trust and mutual respect in the staff room. Find a place on the staff room wall to start an idea of the week board. Each week, one teacher puts up an idea, a piece of material, or an activity which has worked for them and they feel that other teachers could use. It doesn't have to be something that they created themselves. For example, it might be a new activity that they've come across in a resource book. They put the material up along with a reason for its choice. The following week, another teacher puts up an idea, and so on. Lindsay mentioned that he used to put up the daily crossword for the staff to solve together. Encouraging collaborative fun and games is a good way to build a cohesive staff room.
you can find a crossword on most newspaper sites. Print that off and use that. Alternatively, put up word games or puzzles for teachers to tackle. Another thing he used to do was top 10 lists, where people had to write up their top 10 films, activities, books, places they'd been, etc. You can find the instructions for these activities at our website, www.tefelcommute.com. You've been listening to The Tefl Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and by visiting us at www.tefelcommute.com.